Welcome. This week on Random Fandom, we have a very special guest. We have Mark Austin, known to a lot of fans as Boba Fett. But uh, the man is just like Derek and I. He's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve. Sh should I say more? Uh, I won't do it any. I won't do it any justice. Mark's been signing uh boba fett helmets oh yeah like, yeah all last weekend and he said yeah a friend of mine we were signing them and i thought is he signing your name he said no it's daniel logan i was like oh yeah <laughs> i didn't know that he was in la actually oh really yeah he's in uh, uh orange county is oh, okay. so uh yeah so that was the whole thing was that he he has this regular gig where he does the live auction and he sells the toys right. signs and everything obviously nice and uh so he said just come down we have like a you know, a double signature thing right yeah so my my uh prints that i sell he was signing as well so everyone got double print or double oh. signature but that was the thing and we were live auctioning them so that's fantastic it was crazy it was non-stop from 1 30 to like 6 30. <laughs> non-stop just buying that's people buying i was putting stuff on the oh it's sold you want this on the shelf? Okay. Oh, it's got the sold. Okay. Right. All day. Or oh, you want this? Oh, it's sold. Okay. Uh, what were they selling for? I don't know. I, I wasn't watching the ticker tape. Oh, I was well, signing. I, I need to send you. I need to send you mine. Yeah. I want to get. They were. They were. They were. They were, they were like making verbalizing it. You right. know, a lot of time. But I just was. If I if I don't, then I'm gonna write something else and not. Oh. That's <laughs> <laughs> like. I asked Mark if he if he ever wanted to see a another signature again. He's like, I don't want to sign my name ever again. Um, right. uh, listen, guys, it's uh, I don't want to run you guys late. It's just one o'clock in the afternoon here, but it yeah, is. I have an hour because then I got a Wookie. He's, okay. he's already looking at me bad. <laughs> okay, um, Mark Austin, yeah. you guys are both animators. Um, loads to talk about. Yeah. So we've been doing this. Uh, well, here, you, you tell them about the podcast. Uh, well, it was funny because James and I had, had contacted because uh, we were so crossed over in our interests and so many things. And I mean, even animation, martial arts, magic, you name it. And James says, you know, I was thinking of having a podcast about, you know, these jack of all trade type people like we are, you know, that do all these crazy things. And I said, if there was ever a podcast that I wanted to do, that was it. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that such a podcast would ever exist because I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to meet like like uh, people, you know. Yeah. Well, because yeah. It's, it's true. There's people ask you about this one specific thing you do, like animation, like the, yeah. working for Disney, and it's a very thin slice of all the stuff you've done. Yeah. Right. And other people will be like, oh, you work for Disney, and don't know have a clue. Yeah, <laughs> there's no crossover with these people. Well, you know yeah. what it's like, Mark. People will say, "Oh, hey, did you work with this person?" And you yeah. could have been in the next cube. And we're so nose to the grindstone, unless somebody says there's you donuts. No idea. No, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I had I I had a, a producer come by one time, and he's this grumpy old guy, and I really loved him. And he says, "What the f are you watching?" I said, "What? Oh, that? I have something on." He goes, "Why do you have a movie on in the background?" I said. Oh, it's to distract me from annoying people asking me stupid questions. <laughs> and he goes, I like that. That's a, not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, so. Not a bad idea. Um, 
do you want to do the opening or do you want me to or go ahead uh, you do it okay welcome this week on random fandom we have a very special guest we have mark austin uh known to a lot of fans as boba fett but yeah. uh the man is just like derek and i he's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve he does uh, a number of things and as a matter of fact should I say more? Uh, I won't do it any. I won't do it any justice. Uh, Mark, have at it. You wanna you wanna tell us uh, about yourself a little bit here? Well, um, I guess uh, I could break down my uh, my jack of all trades. All my trades. I could. I guess I could break them down very <laughs> easily in blocks. Yeah. First five years, uh, I was in commercials. So a lot of people in the UK know commercials that I did. Um, uh, Teddy tea bag commercials or, or Ribena black currant drink commercials. Uh, if I go to Germany, I meet people that know my commercials in Germany, but these were all hand drawn 2D commercials. Right. So that's the first five years, all 2D. Uh, then I go to ILM for two years and I learn the computer and get into CG animation. And uh, uh, then migrate over to Disney for 13 years, a nice big block there. But after Disney, I missed, uh, I missed that two years of effects animation I did. I missed the combining of, of having, the, having to work within the limitations of a film play animation. I missed that. I missed that extra step. So I end up in Previs, and Previs, you know, ends up you know, basically a cinematographer cinematographer slash director. And whenever anyone asks me what my favorite is, and I got asked today actually on LinkedIn, um, I would say that cinematography, cinematography, it's the end of this here in LA, right. <laughs> uh, is probably the, the closest thing to directing. And, and I like telling stories. So the best person to be in a, as a storyteller is the director or cinematographer. And so I, I, even though I love animation and I, I love uh, directing animation and being a, a supervisor, I love all that stuff. Love um, seeing animators grow. But um, I guess my favorite is telling stories. And so my current movie for Netflix, uh, every layer artist record there has a sequence so you get you get to own take ownership of that whole sequence which is great it's not just five shots or right. part of the sequence that's it's, a great way to work yeah. yeah and and i i i create it uh i won't be giving anything away so no copyright no, worries no here. secrets here no confidentiality worries here but uh we work in a such a way that we have uh, 2d expressions on 3d characters mm. And so I'll be working 3D, I'll go to Photoshop, do my, draw my new expression I want for that line, make it a, a, a card, bring it into 3D, have it, oh, it's not quite right, his eyes a bit wrong, change that, put it back on, uh, put all my shots together, edit them together, and present the whole sequence as an edit, and uh, try and conform to uh, a cut together soundtrack that we try not to add any frames to. Uh, it has to be a special request. But other than that, you it's uh, you basically are creating this section of the movie from scratch, and seeing it all through to where you're giving somebody because we're working with uh, real effects, and that's a, a, a secret. 
and real effects will take that 3d layout and then just animate it so that mm. it is ah, it's it's very very re rewarding it's like i said it's the closest thing you get to directing and, uh, and some of the movies that i've been lucky enough to i'll just do the previous okay so you just take ownership of it and just create these battles that become the reason people go and see that movie i've heard a lot of people say they like previs uh, a lot more than than other venues uh hang on a second let me uh i'm gonna try to switch over um just a second let me try to switch yeah mark are you saying that the uh the final is a hybrid or the the previs you were doing was a hybrid sorry oh wait hang on just one second uh i'm gonna switch wi-fi i didn't catch the, the question no, that's okay I'm, I'm going to switch Wi-Fi's, and since I'm recording, uh, it may bump us off for just a second and then pick us back up. Um, okay. All right. Uh, I don't think it'll bump us off, but it might. Uh, it's, it's taking a second to work here. No worries. So, Mark, where are you now? I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. I'm up in Santa Clarita. Oh yeah, that's where that's where I first moved to when I came down from San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. I my, lived on the summit. My my wife and I both went to Cal Arts. Uh, yeah, of course. And then uh, and then we settled here. So, and then, uh, we both work for Rough Draft Studios right now on Disenchantment. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, he's directing on it. I'm doing animation timing, uh, and then I'm doing storyboarding right now on a pilot for Netflix. Nice. So. I, I went. There was one. I remember when I was two D, and we were uh, we went for drinking in London means a very long lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of alcohol. So you know, so I'm, it's my first lunch as a professional animator with these guys, and the guy I'm talking to is the guy that actually uh, designed Frosty's Tiger, stuff like that. Uh -huh. he, he was like designed all these amazing characters as you recognize from shelves in grocery stores. So I said to him, because he was great, he, whenever he got the, the assistant to time out his stuff, it would look great the first time as he gave, like sixes, eights, twelves, whatever. It was just like, bam, perfect. So I said to him at his lunch, because I had a bit of a nerve from all the alcohol, <laughs> I said, uh, Tony, when, are you gonna, when am I ever going to get to learn time the way you do? And he goes, I don't know timing. I said, yeah, stuff looks great. He goes, he goes I would, wouldn't be working at 63 if I thought I knew my job. He goes, the fact oh. that every scene's different, has different requirements, that's the only thing that brings me back into the office and I'm 63 years old. Yeah, I, I, oh, I, good answer. Funny because I hear that from everybody, you know. Uh, um, years ago, we met Glenn Keane and, and we were talking to him and he said, I'm afraid every time they're going to figure out I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Funny he says that. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I just like, I like to, I like just uh, Glenn's, um, when we work together on Treasure Planet, if you stood close enough to him, you kind of, it made more sense. Oh. Just within a, a radius of Glenn King, you start understanding the animation more. His, what was funny is, his uh, line is so confident. Oh, yeah, it, yeah. And, and it took me, it took me 20 years. But there were a lot of lines underneath. Yeah, oh, so yeah. That's what I'm saying. Really Every one of does. us, like, 
if you look but at when it, he settles on it, it makes yeah. sense. When he settles on it, yeah. Well, it, it took me 20 years, but you know, he showed up at CalArts one time and he did a demo, and he's got this beautiful, you know, soft graphite pencil that unwraps like a like a china marker. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's called a Blaisdell Big Black. He goes, yeah. "Don't bother looking for them. I own all of them." So I took it as a challenge. 20 years later, I found three. <laughs> and so I called him and I said, Glenn, I've got, I got your pencils. He goes, really? How the hell did you find them? <laughs> so he, at yeah. the time he lived in Valencia and I was like, yeah, no, look, I got them. See? So I put it in the glass box and it says in case of 2D animation, break glass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're, we're back to recording. We're all good. Um, do you, uh, D Derek, did you want to, uh, uh, tell Mark what you do it. Well, I guess you did. So yeah, a little bit. I'll just cut this. I mean, did that? Did you record that? I don't know if you recorded that or if I, I need to go I, back. I think I did. Um, okay. I, I, I think you should have. <laughs> I, I skipped. That's good stuff there. Yeah. I think yeah, I, 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 I just Mark. I mean, I, I'm interested in hearing your perspective too. Yeah. Uh, because I I started off as a 2D animator. My wife did. Uh, then we transitioned. I mean, we had the choice to transition to 3D animation or to go into directing, storyboarding, writing, timing, things like that. And, uh, and that's the direction we went. So, you know, 20 years later, we're still drawing, which is nice. We're still drawing for yeah. a living. Yeah, well, the thing I, the thing I liked about, uh, the thing I liked about my transition to 3D is that when I was a 2D animator, I really didn't do any artwork that much after work. <laughs> I was, I had done my work. Like, I didn't want to pick up a pencil. Right. Didn't want to do it. And then that's just the way I was for those five years. Is I didn't really do that much outside of. I mean, I did a ton of work. I mean, it's crazy the amount. I think that's why I've got the most jobs that, I've, or a lot of the jobs I've gotten. I think is because I am pretty. Once I get going up to speed, I'm pretty fast, and I create a lot of material. And so uh, it was kind of weird not to. Um, I'd come back from work and I wouldn't want to pick up a pencil, I wouldn't want to pick up a paintbrush. And then I went to uh, California, I went to San Francisco and, and I was learning the computer and suddenly my, all my, I was painting canvases, doing sculptures, stuff that I'd never tried before, wire sculptures, um, super sculpy sculptures, mm -hmm. uh, uh, finger painting, <laughs> uh, palette knife painting, my, my uh, model making. I, it just took off, and uh, and, I, and so I thought, okay, I, I don't think I'll ever go back. I like I like the I like this balance. 3D. I, I do a lot of animation in three D, pretty fast. That's why that's why Disney were on Dinosaur. You you meant to do one there's one shot per animator per week. That's how it was. Mm -hmm. One shot for the week. Mm -hmm. And so that's what that's it was. That's like a feature. And it was to the point that uh, when we were, when I was hitting my stride, and I had Aladar was my character, he was the lead character, and so I had a lot of footage to get through. Uh, but maybe two thirds of the movie had him in, so a lot of things to do. And I was doing two or three a week, just, just blasting them out, just getting through them, just churning them out like a machine. My nickname was Industrious, they all called me <laughs> Industrious. Uh, but if I if I didn't 
get three out a week. If I got one out a week, suddenly I had HR coming, are you okay? Are you okay? What's wrong? Mm -hmm. Okay at home? Like, worried. So it's like they raised the bar. I wasn't, okay. yeah, it, I, on, on my, my latest job, my boss, I, I finished early. And he goes, well, if you finished off early, then you got a couple of days to yourself. So that's very weird. I said, I've never had that before. I've always been penalized for being fast. You know, you get it done, they'll give you something else. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and then they expect it. Then that person has gone along to all the footage to come and think, okay, well, if he does that many a week, then we can tally up that, that, that. Oh, we can get the movie done here. Yeah. Anyway. That'll, uh, the, the reward for working fast is to work faster. <laughs> I just, I, I had a good line from uh, Ken Duncan. He, he owns Duncan. Oh, yeah. Now. Ken Duncan, this is when we were working at Disney. And he said to me, he said, there's a trouble with you. He said, you're too damn honest. I said, well, I take a pride in that. He goes, no, no, you don't, don't ever be honest. He goes, if they come up to me and they say, uh, uh, on Treasure Planet, Ron and John come in, when are you going to get a scene done with Captain Miller? Oh, he'll be, uh, I think I should get it done for maybe Friday afternoon. And they'll be, oh, great, great. And he goes, and then when I bring it in on Wednesday afternoon, I look really great. So he goes, don't, don't be honest about it. I said, you, don't, you can work fast, but never tell them the time you think you actually, uh, it's going to take you. You always pad yourself with an extra day. If you do an extra day, you always look good. Yeah. Yeah. I use something called Finch's Rules. My first, uh, my first job as a junior art director back in 96 or something, uh, I was under this, this art director, Nicole Finch, and she said, I don't care how long you think it's going to take. You, you figure that out. Then you multiply that by four. Right? And I was like, mm. four? And she said, well, yeah. You're going to run into mistakes. You're going to run into some kind of some kind of computer problem or something. You're going to have another job that pops up. You're going to have uh, a lot of uh, hinge, um, adjustments or, or re-edits or something. So whatever time you think it's going to take, multiply that by four and let that be your rule of thumb. So I just called it Finch's Rules. And, uh, yeah, she does all the art direction for, uh, I think... Uh, well, one of the Japanese um, animes. No, it's a it's a like a power tool company. Oh. <laughs> there, there, there are three or four of them over here that I use all all my desk at the same time. I don't remember which one was which. Anyway, Kubota or something like that. Anyway, yeah. So I use uh, Finch's rules of timing. That's a good rule. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Know, I, I think if you, if you go up and you say, "Yeah, I'll be able to get it done by Friday," and then you hand it to him by Friday. The next time they'll wonder, I wonder if I can get it, if he can do it for me by Thursday, and you end up getting pinched in time just because yeah. I know that you can, oh, okay, well, he's going to, if you tell the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. The, Friday the, uh, the opposite exists a little bit, too. I had friends that were working, we'll, we'll keep the studio out of it. They were working on a project, and these were seasoned animators and storyboard artists, and they were asked to do... Um, Oh God, I think it was 22 minutes. So half an hour of content and they did it in three weeks. Okay. And I, and I, I, you know, they're good friends of mine. And I said, good God, man, you should have failed. 
you should have shown them that that's not possible because yeah. now they will expect. Now they'll expect it. Yeah, was, I mean, was, this was beautiful work. It, it, without saying what the project was, it was old school animation overshoots and yeah. just beautiful stuff. And the drawings were fantastic and they killed themselves for three weeks. Yeah, that was, that was my, the first, first five years of my career. We had three weeks for a 30 second commercial, so it's 10 seconds a week. You had to get it done. It was, that was the animation schedule from, from just uh, blocking, just po single poses maybe, yep. to fully animated, everything done. Okay, let's throw this out there. My kids and I were watching Looney Tunes the other day. I love Looney Tunes. Like I'm yeah. like Chuck Jones, you know. Tex Avery. Yeah, Tex Avery yeah. is, that's the guy that that got me drawn now here's the deal you watch those cartoons and it shows you the list of animators on each show yeah like two three guys yeah that's the other thing you watch that... like something these days and it's like the list of animators as long as my arm and you're like wait what? the um the, the inside from that because i've talked to some of those old animators you know before they passed on there were people that weren't credited there were animators that were not credited. So they just uh, worked on these and such. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you really, uh, just from doing all these uh, years of previews, when you look at Hollywood and you realize that uh, really, you know, Robert Downey Jr. brings something to Iron Man, but really when Iron Man still was a show, is when Robert Downey Jr. is taking yeah. a day off and it's all the special effects crew or the stuntmen. Because yeah. uh, I'm friends with Dickie Beers. And so there's so many shots that he's been in where I'm like, oh, holy cow. And you wouldn't think he's the star, you know, Harrison Ford is the star. That was Harrison Ford doing that. And, uh, you know, it just, credited for it. it's funny how it's misdirected that, that they take, because growing up, I just assumed it was. I didn't know that that wasn't. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Falling off the horse. Not, yeah. not taking anything away from those animators. Like um, uh, Corny Cole was a teacher at CalArts, but he was also a, an animator during that time. He worked with Chuck and Frizz Freeling and, uh, and Tex Avery and all of those guys. And yeah. he said they were expected to do 20 feet a week of full animation. Wow. 20 feet. Uh, right? Yeah. And, and they didn't have pencil tests. They had to send it out, get it. Uh, they would get a negative back and then they would, you know the Disney term sweat box it. Yeah. They watch the negative and see if it worked. If it did, it's you know on to the next thing. I got to meet Chuck Jones when I was working at ILM one time. Yeah. Really? And he did a he came and did a big talk. Oh yeah. yeah. All we hey, talked about was Mark Twain the whole time. Oh yeah. The whole time. Mark Twain. Did like he was the re embodiment of Mark Twain in modern times or something very very strange yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was 94 when I, around 94 95 I was at Warner Brothers and uh, they had him come and talk to us uh, and that was that was a real joy did you guys uh, when you when you went from well particularly Mark uh, when you went from animation and you started doing previs yeah previs nowadays t tell us a little bit about that because you have to get I mean, they more or less expect to see the whole movie in a really rough animation. I mean, they want the camera right. They want to know where 
Yeah. Uh, the actor's yeah. going to be standing, all all this. So t tell us a yeah. little bit about that and that kind it of used transition to be, from one to the other. We, we're just talking about when we did uh, animation in features and saying that the standard was one scene per animator per week. Right. Well, when I started previs, this was in uh, 2009. Started previs 2009 in June at uh, the third floor. And uh, the expectation was one shot per artist per day. Right. So when, by Friday, you should have five shots done. That's all the cameras, all the effects, wow. every character, every creature. You hated it when uh, it lights, you? all the lights, lights that go with effects, wow. everything. Wow. And Compit put the foreground out of focus, put the background out of focus, had the mid-ground you know, in focus. Wow. Do do all your rack and focusing, whatever you need to do, and you get it done and put, put a slate on it. And so my first day, I, I go in there, and uh, when they told me that this expectation, I was like, "Holy cow!" I just I couldn't. I I thought I worked fast at Disney, but this was ridiculous. And so, um, but it's crazy. It's crazy how quickly you. I became very good at uh, being economic with every step. So I, the way I teach previews is to always be, imagine that you're gonna have your work taken away from you in 10 minutes time. What could you do in that time? I could set up the first pose. <clears throat> so the first pose of the thing, I can at least say if he comes by, I can show him, well, all that shot's gonna look like a 3D. Uh, if I said out point, I can put the out point, I can show them the, the negative, see what the camera's doing. Uh, I always tell my artists here that you've got to, Imagine it's going to be taken away and you'll be the most economic. You have left room at the end of your day to do all the polish you want. Right. Trouble is now, and this happened while I was at the third floor, we had these big meetings where they were considering, let's make the standard two shots per artist per day. And my argument was because I was hired at the third floor to improve the quality of the animation that we were doing. Hmm. So I said, you're making my hard job twice as hard deciding this because I think we've been very successful, but you're halving the amount of time. We won't have that luxury of time at the end of the day. Uh, post fears is different to previous. Post fears is where you're working with the background plate and you're putting your previous in front of it to make sure the plate works. Hmm. Right. We have a fake, we have a 3D set which lines up with the real set. So you can get cast shadows on things and stuff like that. Hmm. But we check that the live action plate is going to work and say, this is okay to go off to effects. We basically do the job for them. Apparently they love us because they get their footage shows up because it's not any guesswork. But in post fizz, because there's three huge uh, things you can run into, which is kind of uh, the cleanup of the plate, there's some plates you get have the whole camera crew in there behind the blue screen. Mm. Oh yeah, we'd like them gone. So clean up plays a huge thing. Roto is another huge thing that can eat up your whole day. And 3D tracking can, if it's if you've got skimpy camera data, like nobody's bothered to measure anything mm. except for what lens it was, and that's it. You it could take you in a couple of days to get the 3D track to work. Post is kind of they, they would like one shot per artist per day, but the expectation kind of more realistically is 
one and a half shots per artist per day. Is that is that? But it's crazy. The, yeah. The, the amount of animation you do in a week when you're working previews, doing a shot a day. I I always say that was people always ask me, do you regret leaving ILM? And it was a huge fork in the road, and I always wonder. But I do did say that I I my animation increased 400% at Disney. Like just being around Glen King and mm -hmm. Eric Goldberg and James Baxter. And, or James Baxter again, because we went to school together. But oh, that's cool. Uh, it, it grew 400% easy. And when I left and went to previous, I didn't expect any increase at all. But that having to do those poses, those key poses, storytelling poses, to hit, make everything as extreme because you've only got you've got to let it spline some of the time between your poses. So I do my breakdowns, but then I let it spline out usually by itself. But um, it's it's the only way you can get those dynamic shots of that horse around in the corner. You you can't you can't be there making sure that every foot registers to the the ground plane. It's like mm -hmm. it's broad strokes, um, broad strokes. You don't work towards it. Is that the case uh, now? You, okay, so this was back in 2009 you started this. Uh, what's, yeah. the, what's the standard now? Because- uh, That's what I'm saying. So now, now yeah. it is two shots per artist per day at least. Right, because wow. I, I, I mean, our, our mutual friend Xavier calls me up some days and he's like- Yeah. I mean, he's just like letting off steam, you know, as he drives home because he's, you know, how many how yeah. many shots do they want us to get? It's a big ask. It's a huge ask. Well, I met I met him on Godzilla. Right. Godzilla is a prime example of where you really can't always adhere to the one shot per artist per day. When you have like a creature like Ghidorah, Ghidorah's got three long necks, three heads, three beams that come out of his mouth, two wings two tails with clubs on the end, four legs. And it's like, okay, they wanted me to block out the, the emergence from the ice. And I was gonna block the whole thing out, comes all out, cr crushes people, uh, roars and stuff like that. And I'll, I'll get all the coverage of that in one master scene file. And so, cause it's, you know, if they, they say, well, it's like, you know, if it's seven shots, you've got seven days to, to do it in. Oh, sorry, three and a half days because it's two shots. That's bad. But, but our argument was that every pose takes, and this is a creature that is attacking a crowd of people. So it's like there's so much mocap. There's oh, so the much mocap. Huh? The scale. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, the, uh, scale. So funny on Dinosaur, they said, let's keep the majesty of dinosaurs when we make this movie. And they did this, I did this whole test of a dinosaur doing a dust bath and rolling like a horse in the, in the dust. And I loved it. I said, yeah, but this is 400 frames long. Am I ever going to get shot that's 400 frames long? <laughs> we were like, we'd like Aladar up on his feet in three feet. What? He's a four and a half ton iguanodon. He's laying down. I've got to get him on his feet in three feet. It was, and I, I did it somehow. It was all camera trickery to kind of. Well, see, I mean, you think about it because you watch all these Japanese animation that these these anime movies were these monstrous, like. Yeah, like, but they spend the time. Like, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, depends. Right. Because they're just, they like span whole TV shows, like one guy pulling his sword out, or he's done <laughs> something, and it's just like, I know physics don't work like that. The, you know, the, the materials themselves would shear apart, you know, but then you have like uh, the physics of mass in a living creature, you know, and a head that's on a neck that's, you know, 10 meters long or whatever. And it, yeah. Just from here to there, you can't whip it around that fast. Yeah, but, and they've all got to work as a group the whole, from one post right. to the other. You know, if it goes to an ugly thing, they don't like that. So they, you've got to work at something that's, it's, yeah. it's like in 2D. In 2D, well, work for yeah, commercials. The, the they like this. Action. They don't like that. They don't like that. They like this, though. Three quarters. So you had to go. Three quarters. So it's like on the packet. So they want that pose. <laughs> funny and they go through frame by frame we did a we did a, a whole series it's a shame there's no there might be british people listening to this but the ribena berries are, are black currants and black currants when they're fresh you know they're fun so they didn't like any of our squash and stretch they were framing through it and saying that looks like an unripe berry oh no really we we lessened it wasn't good enough they end up bringing one of those plastic sheets with the circles going down sides. They want it exactly, exactly circles the whole time. So we had to put the squash and stretch in the legs. And that was it. Oh. it. When you watch the final, the final product of that, you just kind of go, uh, do, do you ever like worry about uh, lessening the quality of your own portfolio when you're listening to clients? And they say, yeah. well, less of this. And you're kind of like, that's not, you know, other animators are going to look at my stuff and be like, he doesn't know what he's doing. But you got to listen yeah. to your clients. Yeah. Yeah. I had a director once that said, well, no, I, I want Foghorn Leghorn to move like this. I said, okay. So I animated it exactly the way he wanted. And then the client said, it looks like some kind of nut in a chicken suit. <laughs> I said, well, that's what he asked for. That's I, I made it look exactly like the director acted it out. Yeah. yeah. And he loved it. And then we show it to the client, and the client's like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say yeah. who uh, they, they may be listening to this show, but I know there was a Hulk commercial uh, where it wasn't done in the States, but there was a Hulk commercial that uh, the director wanted him to move like this. And this 3D, thing. right? Yes, yeah, 3D, and and I remember one of the animators saying, "Have you not like read comics? Have you not watched Marvel movies? Because that's not the way the Hulk moves. He has a very specific, lumbering, you know, angry way to do, and he doesn't just like zip along like you know he's Howdy Doody. No, it's not the same thing. And so they did it, and Marvel came in, and they almost lost their contract. And he got to keep it, obviously, because." You know, commercial was made, but there's some there's something to say for you got to let the animators do their job. They know what they're doing. That's yeah. why they got it in the first place. When they they put me a, a, as a supervisor on uh, the first Avengers movie, and being English, I was thinking of the the in English Avengers. Oh, right, right. Oh, right. Yeah, no. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Is that Ray, is that Ray and you know, slap. You know, here's your here's your homework, and they, I, I was going away for a long weekend. It was some lecture thing I was doing in Orlando, and it took it. I had to take with me and read over the weekend all these. Uh, I had to read the front to back, 
And uh, the first thing that we did, the first thing I did is like, okay, well, the very first thing we do is we make sure we can get these poses. And let's, let's, make, let's make sure we can get the rig into these poses, make sure these poses look good. These are the poses we're going to be using over and over and over again. Yeah. And um, it was funny when you, you don't have any control over it when uh, someone's in a mocap suit. And there's a guy, he was my assistant on the show. Really nice guy, really nice guy. He's dying to get in the mocap suit. Mostly it was me in the suit every week. I want to be in the suit, I want to be in the suit. Okay, you can be in the suit. So we had to record some. That makes sense to put an animator in the suit though. Because you know what the pose is that you want. Because I was supervising, I just gave them all the action I I wanted. So it was easier. But he wanted to be in the suit. And we like to be be fair, so. So I said, okay, this is, uh, this is in the scene. Is Hulk's going nuts? He, he in the scene. He's so angry. He just destroys this uh, pillar. So imagine a pillar that's all going to break away. It's going to be iron girders on the inside. He's going to dent those up. He's going to shake them. Just go nuts. And it was so funny. It was like having a slapping contest or something. He was just doing this <laughs> this thing. And I so wanted to put it on the ring just to see it. Oh, just, just to see it in action. Um, yeah. Did, wait, uh, he did a really good Black Widow run, though. So we, his run, we used for all the Black Widow scenes. Oh, how funny! He did a good, good, good Black Widow. When she's going through the uh, in in the just booking it, he was really good. At, when yeah. she's like, just yeah, right it. between the computer columns. Yes, the computer columns. Hardware. There was a great Black Widow scene sequence sequence they, they cut out is her going back to Stark Tower. And going up Stark Tower and going up it on one of those, she, she manages to. Uh... Oh, she does this in the movie. They they kept that part, so they kept the part where she gets the alien speeder. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I had, I right. had yeah, her yeah. in my one. She grotted the guy. Yeah. With the grot steered him. In the final movie, she had two daggers, but same thing steered him with. Yeah. But in you don't ever see her. She just goes off, and you think, oh, she gets back there. But in the original. We, she goes back and she flies at it and then goes up it. And there's these great shots of like just the Stark Tower hurtling by as we go up it. And she fires her thing to blow out what the floor she wants, swings it around like that and does a backflip into the window. Wow. And right. when before the movie came out, I saw one shot and it was her finishing that move. So I'm sure they started filming it. Because there's only one time I did a backflip that ends in a tumbling into a kneeling stance. Right. And uh, I saw it in before, the, so it might have been cut out, but that was such a great. Did they used his run, used his run the whole time? That guy did really she good at a lot of <laughs> I don't know how many she did. I remember seeing Chris Evans actually doing some of those parkour, you know, twist jumps and such. That's got to be really, I know, because I know yeah, Captain America stuff. That's got to be really rewarding to see. These guys do this. this yeah, it's, it's the trickiest thing seeing real people mimicking your animation. That's the trickiest yeah. thing. It's yeah. still to this day. And, and it's funny when you see animals doing it. I worked, the last job I worked on for NPC uh, before I uh, went to Netflix was um, there's a movie coming out called Cruella. It's about Cruella Deville. I'm not going to give anything away from, from the movie, but it'd be trippy to see those Dalmatians doing the things I wanted them to do. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
It's even trippier than people. It's even trippier than people, but. Do you want to tell us how, how did you end up being Boba Fett? That's, that's a story we need to hear. Uh, I'll give you the very short version because okay. the very long version, I, I said to my friend, I said, you know, I'd hate to die without recording this story, like from watching the movies to being into in it. So um, we thought we was going to do four videos and end up 12. But they're all on my YouTube channel. So that's the long story. That's the long story. I'll give you we'll, the short, we'll, the short we'll story. direct people towards the, the long story, but you yeah, can give yeah, us the yeah. short. Yeah. And, 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 and there is a link to Mark's YouTube at the bottom in the show notes. So awesome. everybody. Yeah, yes. Awesome. Absolutely. But uh, the short, short version, um, I'm employed at ILM, working on Casper. Biggest Boba Fett fan. And now I've got access to toys and, and model kits at the Lucas film store at the ranch. So I'm just there. I'm just like a kid in the candy store like, trying to buy all my wages are going back to Lucas film. <laughs> uh, and so at my desk is this you know shrine to Boba Fett. I've got I've got pictures of it. And everyone everyone knew I was a huge Boba Fett fan. I end up uh, getting a trip to the archives, which is not allowed, it's off limits. And when I went to the archives, all I wanted to do was see the Boba Fett costume. And so Don Bees, who runs the archives, said, that's funny because we just have it out over here for something or other. Uh, and I was, again, I was like drooling over this. Uh, it was, uh, had an amazing, amazing lunch. Uh, Land speeder did all sorts of awesome things, but the main thing was seeing the Boba Fett costume. So he knew I was Boba Fett nuts. And he had a term for Star Wars freaks, as he called them, and they were squid heads. If you're a squid head, squid, squid head, you are a to complete Star Wars nut job, you know. So I was a squid head. And um, I fast forward like six months. Oh, he, uh, after that meeting with Don Beast, we become friends. He says, if you ever want to come back to the archives with your friends, Come along. So I went back to the archives all the time. I'll be right over. Yeah, we uh, are. Uh, I'm on a flight. I was picking up the thermal detonator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was wearing Indiana Jones hat and jacket. It was, it was nuts. But when six months later, they suddenly decided that, oh, we're actually going to make the prequels now and we are going to roll out the movies again theatrically to this new generation of fans so they can get up to date before we get the new stuff uh so we're going to have this big summit at skulker ranch and promote it and we need volunteers to be stormtroopers so sign me up we need blood and willing you know whatever it was such a response that i thought there's no way i'm there's no way going to get picked because I'm probably too short. I'm probably like Luke. So um, anyway, a phone rings and it's Don, and I, I fully expected him to say that I'm really sorry, you know, you're too short. Um, but he said, uh, you know, we had a big response, and I thought, why are you telling me this? Because if you tell me about the big response, that means I am not well, part. Usually, if they call, you've got something. If they don't call, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but 
when they start with, I'm sorry, we had such a big response, you know, oh God, it's going down south. He said, we had such a big response that we decided to make it an even bigger, more elaborate thing. We're going to rebuild at Skywalker Sound, one of the, on soundstage, one of the soundstages, we're going to rebuild the cantina bar. It's going to be functioning, there's going to be a bartender. We're going to have uh, a land speeder parked at the front. We're going to have stormtroopers checking IDs. We're going to have aliens in the bar. We're going to have you know, dry ice. We're going to smoke. We're going to have the band miming to the instruments. Uh, it's going to be full on. And half the people in there are, you know, the Kenner, Kenner Toys or Dark Horse Comics or whoever. Mm. So yeah, I was like, that sounds amazing. He goes, hey, and what character do you think we need? I'm like, oh, don't wind me up. And he goes, well, the only reason I'm calling is because everything fits to the uh, flight suit. You have to come along sometime, try the flight suit on. If it fits, you can do it. If it doesn't, we'll get you an equally cool other character like it could be such a thing in my eyes. So um, it was like Cinderella. It was like the whole pin on the slipper. Oh. Zip going up. I went. I went the very next lunchtime. I drove. It's quite a drive to from ILM to Skywalker Ranch. It will take you over an hour. Mm. So you got to have not just a, it's like a four-hour lunch. Um, so I drove there the next day and tried on the suit. And so that was that was it. That was my ticket into putting the suit on. But it wasn't for the movie. It was for the summit. So we had the summit. Four hours pretending you're Boba Fett in a in a realistic cantina setting with That's aliens right. shrinking away from you when you looked at them and having to arrest people and it was it was that was my funnest time even better than the shoot way better hmm. way better because it all I can see of it is this so it looks even more real when you can see just this much of it hmm. it looks completely real it's like VR for real, they're really there. Yeah, whichever way you turn, right? Yeah, whichever way you turn, but you can actually bump into everything, you can react to everything, it's wow. real. It's the closest, I, I, you couldn't, and everyone was playing the part, everyone was going nuts, you know, Ula was dancing and stuff like that, it was crazy. So I didn't want to take a break. They were like telling me, you should take a break, I don't want one. Like you, you have to, safety regulations, you know, we have to. So they made me sit there like a school in detention, like a schoolboy in a way, in the master's <laughs> office, waiting to go back in. You can go back in now, okay? In. And uh, it went so well that they said, would you mind doing the second one? I, was like, I would pay you to do this. Um, so I did a second one. And then shortly after that, they just happened to need someone for the blue screen shoot. And one of the cameramen said, hey, one of our guys actually has been wearing a suit for these summits. He's been the guy up there for as Boba Fett. So that 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 cameraman suggested I email the producer and tell him this. And so I did. That's how it happened. You bequeathed him into your will, correctly. You, you, he's well, actually, after that, uh, he, he was a diving instructor as well. So I did a whole scuba class. So he got his money. Oh, yeah, okay. Nice. Nice. Well done. I need to get my cave diving. I don't have my license. Cave diving? I haven't done it so long. 
Uh, but, oh, the Bay that. Area is the is the worst place to learn. Freezing up here. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's uh, that's it in a nutshell. That's fantastic. So okay, wait, you've done you you have literally gone from 2D, 3D, uh, you know, cartoons, commercials, uh, previs, all the way to being Boba Fett. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean that, that now that's a career arc that I yeah. I have to be honest, very few people on here, <laughs> including Derek and myself, we had, we would love to attain to. It's probably not. <laughs> Yeah, it's but, been a crazy journey. I, 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 if anyone asks me, I always say that I could, I could end my career tomorrow. I swear I had the, the best time. Uh, just working with, you know, there's people you work with that you uh, idolize. There's some people you work with that you idolized. You don't idolize anymore. From mm -hmm. yeah, like I, I was so upset that acted the way he did. It was just like because I worked on uh, the um. Movie. oh yeah i like that movie yeah. yeah yeah it was cute and but he he's not you know you want him to be a likable person no, mm. spielberg amazing spielberg spielberg i kept on his drawings it was uh, working on war horse and he's drawing the, the head of the horse but he's like a sock with an eye <laughs> his drawing skills aren't they great but he draw this sock with an eye draw a rectangle around it and he put 100 mil lens. You think, really? 100 mil? Seems a bit long to me. All right. You put 100 mil, it's like, it's like the best composition so in the world. In his head. In his head. He just looks at something, or he thinks of something, and tells you. Uh, like, I, I do that, but no, I, I can do that now a bit, but not like he, his, his is automatic. But, uh, That's really cool. Yeah. How much? The cam camera was the hardest thing I, I found to learn. I, th I think it took me three years at least to learn the camera. I thought it would be simple. Do you have any suggestions if people want to learn good camera work, good cinematography now? I mean, like, I'm a big fan of Peter McKinnon. I'm, I'm, toying, I'm toying with an idea of doing a, 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 a live uh, or a recording of kind of how to. Hmm. Right. I'm thinking of doing it because after, what is it now? It's, a, it's 11 years now, 11 years of doing this. 11 years doing a shot a day, it's a lot of animation. Like, there's not many things I haven't animated at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, they gave me a, a guy throwing up over the side of a ship on 300, uh, the second 300 movie. And, oh, yes, I've never animated a guy throwing up. Never. <laughs> Yes, awesome. <laughs> it's like rays. Something comes out. Oh, wow, I've never animated it, or whatever. This yeah. weird picture. <laughs> I've animated a Pikachu. Um, but it's like I, I feel like now I, it's a case of I've done this shot maybe seven times before. Just this new character, different character. But it's very you, you can't you kind of repeat your. I try and break the mold wherever I can, and do something that's a bit different. But we have to do stuff that is that they can replicate practically, you know, no CG cameras or no, 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 like, uh, no, there's some guy he did, uh, this is, I think it's on Avengers. Uh, it was a, it was a close up, it was a 
tight shot of the Quinjet. And he did it with a 21mm lens. And I'm like, who's shooting this? How is how are we going to shoot this with a 21mm lens practically? Like, get this close to the front of the jet. And, you know, you've got to make it like it. Let's do it practically. It's got to be at least 100, 200, probably 200. From, from another jet looking at, or helicopter looking at, right. flying alongside. Yeah. But, it, you know, you, you look at, if you, it look, just looks wrong. You look at a, a close-up of an aircraft and it's a wide-angle lens and it just, you've never seen that distortion on the plane because you've never seen it with that lens. Like, unless you're Superman with his cell phone, you're never <laughs> going to see that. Never going to see that. You're watching Men of Steel and they use that, that you know, virtual camera and it breaks the reality of it. It's just, yeah. I mean, yeah, a... a digital camera can a virtual camera can can do wonders when it's used right yeah yeah i mean there are yeah, exactly. scenes in harry potter when they did a really really good job of it uh, yeah. i i think for the most part you you get drawn out of that the whole point of the movie is you're pu being pulled into that reality and then suddenly yeah it's it flings you right out like yeah like the guy yeah. throwing up over his head lose your audience yeah. Yeah. They, the audience should never know. Exactly. Yeah. They should. We were, we were doing a, a we're doing a layout on a shot, and they were trying to reuse a, a set. There was there's a set with kind of open roadways, but the, you know, anytime you turn the camera, there's a likelihood you'll see one of the other things they're using in the set because they're trying to use it for multiple things. So. Uh, you know, it's like I was trying to explain to them that you need a set that has nothing that stands out in the background, but if it's a whole, you know, chase between vehicles, you just want it to be about the vehicles, the play of the, the interplay of the vehicles and how they react to one another. You don't, you don't look at, oh, look, look at that church going past. Or, you know. <laughs> let's just have rolling hills. Let's make it a simple background. But uh, I can't remember what I was about talking about. We used to call that an A to E pan, you know, oh, a, a, an A to E pan, an APEG to EPEG. And okay. he, they had them in Hanna Barbera where you'd see the same tree and the same yeah. house go by. Go. The, the lamp on the wall in Scooby Doo. Yeah. I love that. Or Wacky Races was the best. It, it seems like the biggest offender. And these papers were this long, you know, they, 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 if you counted the first circle hole as A, it would go all the way to E. And you think that's plenty long enough. And then it's panning six times through. Yeah. Did um did you guys see the new Scooby Doo movie? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't yet. I haven't yet. I, I know people have worked on it. And they pay homage to that that A to E. Like at some point they're running past something and he does it like at least two or three times and you're like, uh like I know a few guys are gonna catch that and you know, give a good wink. They um I, I didn't see the whole thing. The kids watched it, they really liked it, so that says something but they paid homage to the original opening so they did yes. the opening in oh nice cg you know all, with everything nice. out of the barrel and that's actually where yeah 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 and then running out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah and it was so. it was yeah the old diver bell and everything it was yeah. really really good yeah. yeah that was fun I, I watched that to death when it was all the hannah barbara stuff i watched to death when i was like oh yeah because yeah. oh, yeah. it's just there was two things you could watch on tv well three things there's Hanna-Barbera, uh, sorry, Hanna-Barbera, we kind of, I kind of roped him with Warner Brothers, I don't know why. As a kid, there was just Disney and 
non-Disney. Mm-hmm. So all the non-Disney, which is Hanna Barbera, and Warner Brothers, all of that was non-Disney, and there was Disney. Yeah. And uh, my mother was a big thing about. It. She she loved this. She loved the fact that it was on ones. Just because it was on ones, just it's fluid. Mm-hmm. It, for her, that was the draw. <laughs> so, I like. But, that. Uh, yeah. Sorry. And, well, no, I was going to say, I'm uh, 46 this year. I grew up uh, with some reruns of a, a good many of the animations uh, that I knew had been groundbreaking at the time. And mm. right as I was growing up, they were starting to do things that, you know, they'd been shipped overseas. And I remember my mom, well, it was my mom or my dad. I don't remember which because I was, I was paying attention to the TV, but I heard one of them say, it's the worst animation I've ever seen. And neither one of them are animators. They have no clue what's going on. But it was like, you know, it's G.I. Joe where the face is static and just the mouth is moving. Yeah. And like, yeah. how are you entertained by this? And I was like, what? I'm entertained. <laughs> eating my bowl of cereal. What do you want? You know, but just immersed in it nonetheless. And growing yeah. up and learning the distinction between what is good and what is bad and what's well done, and then suddenly getting thrown Tex Avery and seeing, you know, surreal objects running across the moonscape with pencils and erasers, you know, popping out of, you know, what's going on? Yeah. It's just, you see. Well, the IPA, when you watch the IPA, Mr. Magoo, and that is even simpler. Oh, that, some of that early stuff, some of the Fleischer stuff with yeah. the 3D backgrounds, they had actual sets that they built and then they hung the cells in front of it i mean yeah. it was groundbreaking oh my yeah. word yeah I, have you guys um as a matter of fact xavier got me uh pointed towards the max fleischer superman series all on youtube oh and those were amazing too those were amazing but i hadn't watched them in years yeah absolute years. and you go back and you realize and i had put this on on my other youtube channel uh made in japan that like Godzilla, you think of as Japanese. Godzilla came out first and foremost in Max Fleischer's Superman as mm. Mm. the frozen Arctic monster. Wow. And you just kind of look at it and you go, that no, that's not right. You're not paying Godzilla homage. No, he was taken right out of Max Fleischer. Mm. I mean, the roar and everything. Wow. Wow. I mean, well, they were you know that you know early anime and and film was we're gonna get a lot of crap for that <laughs> yeah right it's true though it's true it's well but a lot of early japanese film was based off of Disney. Because of what they were inspired by from american film yeah. yeah yeah like the the large eyes and everything from from and was inspired by uh snow white i, I watched the youtube recently with uh, peter weller talking about uh how he came about with the Robo, robocop movements and he it goes back through history, you know, from, from you know, way, way, way back to like, you know, uh, people ripping off cave paintings, you know, they've seen, oh, yeah. you know, it, it goes on and on. You know, we, we see this art, we get inspired and it fuels yeah. us to create something. Nothing is in a vacuum. Uh, I, I, we went to a lecture at the Disney lot and it was Don Hahn. Oh, and, yeah. And his whole lecture was the best steal from the best. Yeah. And he played us the Star Wars theme song, but it wasn't the Star Wars theme song. It was, I I gotta find out what film it's from because I should know this, but it's off by one note. (laughs) Yeah. 
it goes down instead of up but it's exactly the same song it's just from the early silent movies and 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 uh, uh john williams was like all right i like that yeah but yeah. even that that comes from holst right <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's holst planets yeah so <laughs> i mean superman john williams superman is right out of jupiter so yeah well we were uh, my daughter did an escape room online today and in order to get out of the virtual escape room they had to listen to these uh classical pieces of music and figure out the clues and it was all kids so they played this classical piece of music and all the kids are like well that's from harry potter I know it's from Harry Potter, and it wasn't. It was a classical piece. Right. Yeah. You know. That's. Uh, like, wow. Send me the link to that, will you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, I I'd lost everybody again. Um, we may have to. Uh, rewind. <laughs> yeah. And everybody freezes on the goofiest face. Uh, <laughs> Always. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think it's built into the program. I'm pretty sure it is. It's got facial recognition. This is Goofy. Stop it. Okay. Mark, why don't you tell us um, what you can tell us about what you're working on or if you want to direct people towards uh, things that you've done or where they can see your work? Um, you know, do you have yeah. a website? Um, I would just like to uh, focus recently has been more on my uh, YouTube channel. Uh, all my artwork, I've been in a series of art pieces and uh, filming them time lapse and editing oh, them together. And it's crazy, it's crazy. It's crazy because it's a learning process for me. I, I can see where I'm on some pieces. I, I'm, I go down a, an avenue where it just takes me way out of my way and I come back. And <laughs> so each, each time I look at these time lapses, it kind of teaches me a more linear path to finishing it so it's, it's very, very cool um but i i'd like to uh steer people to my youtube channel boba fett a n h s e stands for a new hope special edition boba fett a n h s e okay all right fantastic so i mean there's plenty of uh there's plenty of stuff on there uh like i say half of its artwork so half of its uh how i got to this uh crazy place and uh, jumped in the suit and there's even some footage of me in the suit on the day. Oh, wow. Oh, is there? Yeah. Nice. yeah. Go to number 12. <laughs> All right. So you uh, also had signed a lot of helmets, I think, were sold off already. You and Daniel yeah. Logan. Uh, well, there's two, there's two, there was two parts of that. The first was I had to do 150 plaques. Right. So myself, uh, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Bullock, Dickie Beer, uh, Daniel Logan, uh, Don Bees, and John Morton, I believe, uh, all signed a plaque, and you know, we sent them in, and so you can get helmets with all of our names on. And I thought that was the end of the. That was it. I thought that was it. So 150 helmets, but uh, when I went to his house last weekend, I, I'm looking for his house, and I've got my GPS. <laughs> I turn onto a road. As I turn, I just see uh, a pop-up, a tent pop-up, and underneath rows and rows of helmets out on top of their boxes. Wow. And under the trestle tables, rows of helmets underneath as well. I thought that must be the house. <laughs> yes, so. I'm thinking, I'm guessing, it's a wild guess, but I, that might be the house. 
Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah. So I, I, I'm going back there next Saturday. Apparently, there's more stuff that needs signing. So. Well, I, I won't wear them. I won't wear them. Actually, I've already. I want one. I want one. It's like yeah, yeah. you wouldn't notice if uh, this just you happened. You got one right behind I've you. I've got one. Yeah, got right one. there. Just this one had two signatures on it. Oh right, right, right. I've got. Uh, uh, we were talking about this before the show. Um, uh, I'll uh, I'll get Tim Morrison to to send one to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he uh he's re he's supposed to be playing Boba Fett in Mandalorian season two. I know. I know. So he might actually, because according to Daniel, anyway, that he, he never comes over to the States to have that. So if he does, he might be in the States. So I might be able to get to meet him for. Yeah, he's cool. excellent guy. He's the only, he's the only fat I, I don't know. He's like, like all the other fats I, 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 well, I've met them, but now they're like friends of mine as well. Have so. you seen any? New Zealand film, like the stuff that made him like once we were warriors. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that back in the day, the, the Maui thing. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. Now he was a great pick, and, and I thought really Daniel was a great pick to play his son. But I always, you know, as much as I love Daniel, uh, he really wanted to, you know, play the part of Boba Fett. He was like pushing hard hmm. on well, social media. Like young Tim, so it's great. He does, but. If this is both grown up, so he has to, he has to look like Jang. He has to. It's just, yeah. It, yeah. it wouldn't yeah. be right without. Well, I mean, you also have to have a certain age on you, and he's not old enough to play it in this. Yeah. Bit. yeah. So I heard a rumor that uh, Tim, Tim, uh, Timothy Oliphant was going to do his voice. I. Don't know. Uh, but if, if it's Django, I would assume they go Django. Only because Timmy Fallofan does a really good Clint Eastwood, like in Rango. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because originally, when you know Jeremy Bullock was doing it, you didn't have that Kiwi accent. And, and in all honesty, as much as I love the special edition, they redo the accent. I, no, I love the Jason Wingham. And I'm like, I love the Jason Wingham, the original voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm like, why yeah. in the world did they do that? So I, I don't I know. know. That's funny because when I met Jeremy Bullock, I didn't ask him about doing the voiceover. But yeah, Dave, David Prowse is always like, "Yeah, I could have done it myself." And then he, you know, starts doing CNN. This is CNN. Like he's, <laughs> I'm like, eh, it's not the same, buddy. Nice try, but not quite the same, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, as filmmakers, we we have that thing, and I know you know this, Mark, too, where. You, people say oh maybe i should go back and and reduce this part mm. and everybody tells you don't do it just leave it yeah leave it be because yeah. it, it, it takes me move on <laughs> I, I don't know that special edition is it it really is yeah and i mean and that got you a chance to be both with that so there were, there were not everything i agree with i wasn't there for the the whole han shooting greedo thing i thought that was a vicious lie Good. So I said, no, we're done. We're done. We wrapped. And they're like, no, 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 you didn't. Because I left for Disney. I, I finished New Hope. My whole Disney didn't like it because Disney are Disney. Disney are like the world should want to work for us or be asking us, you know, can we work for you? So when they asked me for this job, I said, Well, I'll, I'll come, but I have to finish my obligation to 
ILM. I've got to finish this show. I'm, I'm the only animator on it. Or John Knowles doing the spaceships, but everything else is me. So um, they didn't like that. Like they don't like me telling them I'll be. I'll come in when I'm ready. They should like you doing your job. So I think that's why I lost the character they promised me. Anyway, I, um, I had them say, "But we're Disney." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's all they say. Well, they know that so many people want to work there that they can always find somebody to fill your shoes. My, my point about this is, and a lot of our listeners, I want you, I want you to understand this, uh, not that I have the clout of anything. If I found out that you wanted to fulfill your obligations to another company and do your job, that would mean more to me than, yeah, should do. In, than anybody dropping if, if what they were going to work for you. It's like, I, if you dropped what you were doing to work for me, that's like a girlfriend breaking up with you so she can go out with somebody else. Yeah. But, but when, I, when I left and did go to Disney, a couple of my friends that were working at Disney with me went to visit friends at ILM and they came back with these stories and I'm like, no, you're kidding me. Uh, so they told me about the uh, Han shooting, uh, British, uh, Han shooting. Greedo. Greedo shooting first. <laughs> and, uh, and a couple of other things that, that they added, like that whole, oh, the, the robot hitting the other droid on the head. I hadn't, that was in the version I left them with. They added that. Right. So those two things they told me about. But um, aside from those two things, everyone says, you know, oh, no, no, you shouldn't, it was good, perfect as it was. And I said, yeah, but I said, if anyone has the right to say, you know what, I'm not happy with this, and I never was. I, I'm not happy that the Y-Wing flames are pink because we set pulled all the blue screen out and we left with pink flames instead of yellow but if he's unhappy about that and he wants to change it i think he's the only person that has the right to say it yeah it's his prerogative not this guy that's moaning about it so as much as i you know there are some things about the specialists i don't condone or agree with because i think they should have just left that was that was han's arc so they should have left it yeah but all the other things are oh i keep losing everybody more sam paula every time i'm telling every you what our zoom is, is against us zoom cuts out right as you say i'm telling you what and then it <laughs> you froze you can't get enough sand crawler that's what i said yeah we'll just cut the episode there and let them guess that's right it's <laughs> like that's like that scene in uh in oceans 11 when when brad pitt's telling matt damon he says and whatever you do i don't care whatever it is don't ever and somebody calls him over and he's like what and he goes away and matt damon's like don't ever do what you know what yeah anyway yeah it's been great having you man it's yeah. it's always Thank you. It's awesome man talk to you. absolute pleasure yeah talking to you about animation or previs or whatever is always a it's always yeah a, it's good yeah, I, I'm so glad that there's a, there's a, a kind of a, a slot somewhere for us jack of all trades. Yeah, yeah. I feel I feel like uh, not so much of an island now. I mean, I know we, there, I know are we come. there are a lot of us. Yeah. yeah, and it's really odd the number of people that that Derek and I have talked to. But I I didn't figure to be honest. We started doing this because we thought, oh man, everybody's stuck at home with 
with the you know COVID afraid of COVID or whatever we can't do anything. Hey, let's let's just start this now, but yeah. we don't want to release it because we're recording. This is June 14th, and we've been recording episodes since back in April, I think, maybe a little earlier. But we yeah. don't want to release anything yet. So when this gets released, I'm not entirely sure. We just want to make sure we have a backup so we can let them let them go out. But I had no idea how many people we would be able to pull on this show. I was expecting maybe 10. And I think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Derek's laughing. He's like, yeah, this is, I mean, we even interviewed Derek's wife. She's a director for, for TV. Show. It's like everybody nice. has their story and everybody is interested in so many different things. It's a lot yeah. of people. It's yeah. not an island anymore. Yeah. It, was, it was cool. It was nice chatting. It was a nice way to end Saturday. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, mean I, know it's the, I know it's the end of our session and our, our talk, but I mean, Mark, you, you understand, like, I, I didn't when I first started, I was an artist, I drew a lot, and then I got into animation, and it's, it's physics, and it's filmmaking, and it's psychology, and the cuts, and the angles, and the cameras, yes. all yeah. going into this illusion, you know. The, it does take you, they had this thing at Disney, when we looked at portfolios, and the big, the big top uh, statement was that there was a requirement of three years experience. And I'm like, I was thinking three years experience is a long time. It really isn't. Not enough. When you think about everything you've learned and how long it took to learn. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, those... yeah. And, and I turned, turned down a job. I turned down, believe it or not, turned down animation director for the prequels. Oh, I'm sorry. Really? No, uh, I turned it down. I'm going to reach over and smack you. I'm, I'm glad I did because had I done it back then, I would have made so many mistakes. I, 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 you know, you always think you know everything, but uh, no, I really did. And, I, and my conscious, I didn't want to mess up and have that many Star Wars fans hate me. <laughs> so I said, no, I said, uh, I, don't think I, I, I don't feel qualified to do this. And I, I left it. I think there's the, the their bid to keep me at ILM. I think that's that was the, the trump card. They didn't want to give me a pay rise, but they, they wouldn't give me a pay rise. But like I said about being fast, they were going to have two animators work on New Hope, and then because I did all these uh, tra uh, like the trailer shots for Casper and did all the big scenes and that, and pumping out this uh, animation, they were like, "Oh, we only need this one guy." So. I had five TDs. I was doing five shots anyone, anyone day. In the week, I'd be visiting five shots and sending them. And it took like maybe three weeks, four weeks to get them done. But, um, you know, I was like, how come I'm doing all this work and you can't give me a pay rise? Oh, because you're at the top of the bracket or whatever. Mm. Am I? Wow. That's, I've got nothing to look forward to. Well, no. If you wanna, if you wanna earn more money, you just have to change jobs. I don't want to change jobs. I like what I'm doing. I'm good at this. So, anyway, so they offered me that, and I said no. And I'm glad I did. And Rob Coleman took it, and I'm glad he did. And he was a good guy. You know what a, an ikigai diagram is? It's like a, a Venn diagram that, that you have. Um, you know, you've got what you love, what yeah. you're good at. Yeah. Uh, what the world needs and what you can get paid for and where all those things merge. So last one, that's a tricky one. Yeah. 
to be yeah. to be honest, a lot of people start out doing something, they find out they're good at something, but they don't love it. Yeah. And then so no, my mom always said, uh, you have to have job satisfaction because it's a third of your life. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's pretty deep. Yeah. So the other third you're you sleep. So you rather choose something that you like. That's right. And uh, right. I knew I didn't want to work in a bank or something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I sleep more than a third of my life and I'm I'm very happy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not lazy though. I'm not lazy. It's, 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 you know, I'm organizing stuff in my head. It's on James. Yeah. There you go. Oh, did you lose me? I was tempted yeah. to get a dry race marker then. <laughs> Draw face. How long was I frozen? Just for a few. Just a couple of seconds. Oh, okay. That's okay. Yeah. Put, I mean, Mark, you know, like uh, the, the good things and the bad things. Like I work on Storyboard Pro. And when I was animating, my entire career as an animator is probably like a 10-minute reel that I edited down, you know, because nobody's going to watch a 10-minute reel. Yeah. But now I do 11 minutes of content every six weeks. Yeah. You know, thousands of drawings that I go through and tie down. And, you know, if there's no timers on the show, I've got to mm -hmm. do every pose. i got to keep pose this thing. And yeah. there's young young storyboard artists. They're like, why why are you animating it? I said, I'm not. Keep posing it because we have no timers. So my board is going to inform the entire final piece, and it's yeah. a buttload of work, but it's really re you know it, it, it's it's um, rewarding. It's it, you know we're filmmakers. Yeah. 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 When whenever someone asks me about don't I miss that was the biggest question was do you miss finals animation and I said well. I said, I really like working with the forest instead of the tree now. Right, uh, right. And I myself was working on this slice here, but now I'm working yeah. on beginning, middle, end. That was such a big change. Like going from my world was between this scene and this scene. Yeah. And now my world is beginning yeah. to end of the scene, you know, the whole episode. Yeah. So do you have to view things differently to do that? I mean, obviously you do, but I mean, tell our listeners how you. I'm, I'm a big advocate for making sure you know the context before you start working. You know, because some people like, especially in, I just, we were talking about this, one shot per artist per day or even a shot per artist per week. The, the, the clock is ticking and the, the, the false kind of uh, route is to dive straight in. You know, if you can just like, hold off and do that reference, spend a half a day or a day, you might think, oh my God, I've lost a day. <laughs> Everything, everything's going to benefit. So, right. I'm a big advocate for like, especially seeing the context of your shot within the scene because it's very easy to get blink blinders on. Mm. And the whole timing of that set piece, you might have it worked out in your head, but then when you see it in the context of everything else, you're like, oh, this is really fast compared to everything before. Like, if there's a character escaping from a prison, so like, right. wow, it, it's been really kind of like suspenseful until my bit and it races through. So um, the, yeah. I, I don't like it when there's some, some, especially horror shows, they'll give you just the bits that they want done. We have no context. Oh, we, we, we don't want to send you all that. It's not worked out yet. It's not, but this part, this happens. Like, you know, but you can't tell, yeah. you can't tell how it's going to fit with everything else until you see it. I think that's interesting because it, it, particularly fits how like Derek and I especially are like drilling into our audience the parts inform the whole 
but it's also reversed. Yeah. The whole has to inform the parts. It has to. It's yeah, not going to fit. It just feels completely disjointed and connected. And it, like we said before, it's like a virtual camera that doesn't work. It yanks you right out of the story. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that flow and pacing between shots, from shot to shot, and I, I've had that where, um, I, and I told the client, I said, again, I'm not going to say who, but I signed the NDA. I'm not going to tell anybody. But especially now, where we're working from home, they're so worried about something getting leaked. Um, oh, well, they don't want to show you the whole kind of thing, right? That's right. They they want to compartmentalize, you know. Uh, but I, I wonder if that help. doesn't go for acting as well, because you know they won't give Tom Holland um, a whole script, but they'll give it to Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, we can trust him. We know he won't open his mouth. Right. And he'll get to read the whole thing, but his parts, you know. Yeah. I did a I did a I did a voice part in a, a movie recently, and uh, they wanted uh, someone in uh, a base camp on the Himalayas talking on the phone. So this is going to be very noisy. Imagine there's loads of noise that we're going to put in afterwards. So you're talking over noise. So I did all the lines and recorded them, sent them off, and uh, they said, "Oh no, you've just come back from this." <laughs> some track so you are completely out of breath i said well you can't tell me that to be i sent all these lines off recorded right. you know which which one do you like none of them oh, so we had yeah. to do it again but uh yeah you if you don't know the context yeah. people assume that you are it's a mistake that you can easily make as a director or a filmmaker is that you assume everyone is as informed of the content as you are in your head and directors will consume that you just know this a lot of the time. Right. And they'll skip, yeah. skip over parts and you're like, okay, you make you piece it together with the information you have. And this one thing that they thought you knew that you didn't think to add to their, you know, right. their list, where's this? And, and what is that? In psychology, there's something called the, uh, the illusion of transparency doesn't doesn't quite mean the same thing but it's like if something is so clear to you like if i'm like incredibly nervous in front of an audience you assume they can all see that which they can't they can't see that yeah. it also yeah. works up op the opposite something that you want to tell to somebody else is so clear in your head because it's in your head and you're thinking it and you know yeah. all the bits to it well yeah. what part of this isn't clear well man it's in your head we're not psychic mm -hmm. so you're telling this stuff to somebody and you really don't i mean we take for granted how much our communication is verbal and yeah. i mean if you don't tell somebody the entire context of something they may not have any clue what you're talking about i mean we do it with yeah. our spouse all the time you know my wife will come to me and she goes you know she had to go to school today and i'm like we have four daughters what are you talking about <laughs> you know <laughs> well what i'm missing look at that but we we need to oftentimes ask nicely because the, because everybody's got these expectations you know well i expect that you know this information well i haven't been told it and I, 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 hey, I don't know what you're talking about man to your boss you know he's gonna be like why aren't you why don't you up on your do your research and like well, so you have to learn how to ask that i just i just always do a very very rough pass because that's when you find out any of those you do a very very rough pass so you haven't invested that much time mm -hmm. it's very very basic but some people want it the first thing to look great. And I get it. I get it. There's, there's advantages to dwell in the client. But 
most of the time, just because of that reason, I said, just do a really rough pass, like just really rough, like so that, you know, oh, that's not the angle I was thinking of at all, you know. Like, You're like, fine. Just show them. Yeah. yeah. Show them just uh, just something so that next time I see it, they've seen something before and it's going to be. Yeah. It's funny you should say that because that's what I'm doing as soon as I get off of this. I'm, I'm, okay. in, I'm doing the thumbnail pass for this yeah. entire battle sequence, yeah. you know, and, and there's one little paragraph that's a sequence this yeah. then this then this then this and you know i'm not tying any of that down i'm not drawing any of the characters i'm scribbling so yeah. you, know. you guys find that there's like a correlation between say for instance the number of directors or sub directors or associate or assistant directors that are working under you know the director and you assume that the hierarchy of information is known so that they know you're the director you're working under knows the whole of the thing so when you hand something over and it's scribbled he goes yeah that's going to be great and then the whole thing gets looked at and you're like that part doesn't fit at all yeah you're assuming that whether you're given information or not it's kind of like the military you you know what you need to know yeah. they know what they yeah. need to know all i all i do whenever i work for anybody and i produce uh especially for some studios more than others, is I, I just have a paper trail. I tell them exactly exactly what I'm going to do. Well, you should have said something when I sent the email. If I was wrong. Uh, so I, I've learned that the hard way. Right. Paper trail is always what it's good. I, I've had producers that say, they're like, oh, I, I want this, or the director says, I want that. So I make sure, I send them an email saying, hey, great meeting today. Um, I, I, I got the message that you want this. Yeah, and, and there's yeah. that virtual paper trail. Yeah. You know. Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. There's. I went into a, an office. Uh, I went to the show. Went into the office, and they had written down on the whiteboard all of the A shots, B shots, C shots we possibly could do in this mad panic for a trailer release. So rather than sit there and copy it down, I got my phone, took a picture of the whiteboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we finished the job. We just get the last shot in. Uh, on the Friday afternoon, like five o'clock or something, and uh, I'm, I'm just amazed that we we made it and just basking in. Oh, thank God for that! You know, after went went through it the weekend. You've missed two shots. Mm, no, you missed two shots. So I go in there, and there's all these shots crossed off. One's at the bottom though. These two, I don't recognise these two numbers at the bottom. I get my phone out. I'm like, actually, you must have added those because you you know you're not allowed to take pictures in the production office. You could get in trouble. Uh, well, no, it's because we got you in. That was, that was the response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I call I, I call them out. You got to leave a paper trail. You got to say no. Actually, this is what you, you asked me to do. Um, we're gonna uh, add from the last like 20 minutes or so an after show. I think um, so. You, you got to take Wookie for a walk. I'm, uh, I got to take Wookie for a walk. Yeah. Thank I, you so much. Don't yeah. upset a Wookie. No, never. Let him win. That's right. <laughs> rip your arm off. Uh, don't, they don't rip their arms out of your sockets. Um, I think he would as well. He's, he's a Mastiff Black Lab mix. Nice. Oh, he's, nice. he's a big, he's a big, big guy. Excellent. I'm just making sure my cats aren't trying to go out through. But we have a screen on the back door, but they like to push on it and go out. 
Yeah. One of those magnetic. It's one of the magnetic things. My wife. Yeah. And I about that yeah. For I've had busted out the other day. Just push down. Yeah. We were looking at that for our kids because our kids don't. They don't know what a, a closed door is. They're born in a barn. <laughs> Mine don't know how to turn lights off. Apparently. Uh, yeah, that same yeah. here. Or or when the AC is on, that's the time to open all the windows. Of course. Yeah. So it's not just me. No, it's just it's not just you. Mark, Mark, you've got three. Is that right? Three girls. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. I got two. Two boy and a girl. Hey, nice. hey, he's British. This is rude, man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> two, two girls. <laughs> but, but where are you yeah. from originally? Who me? I'm from Essex. Yeah, yeah. Essex. Essex. Where um, are you from, Derek? I'm from New Hampshire. New Hampshire. New England. Where are you originally from? North Carolina. Okay. North Carolina. Yeah. Hickory. Then I went down to Florida, France, Japan. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. I did nothing, I did nothing for 27 years and then I went to the other side of the world. My original contract uh, was 18 months work on Casper. So I said, okay, mom, I'll be back after work. She like sobbed. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. That was a bad joke. But I will be back after work. And then I'm still here. Yeah. How long have you been there now? I came over in January of 94. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, you so you came right before the earthquake. I came, yeah. I felt it in San Francisco, the Northridge one. Yeah, we felt it in Dailies. We we're in Dailies, and it's like, what the hell is that? It was weird. Yeah. I thought a truck was going by because uh, they had a Circuit City next door to Island at the time. And all the TVs. I was big. Yeah, I moved out here that summer. Oh, it was just like a roll, and and I thought, well, I didn't think anything of it, and then we heard the news that it was an earthquake. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys are like, yeah, that was the earthquake. I'm like, man, we have them like 300 a day. So I was here. I was in LA for the aftershocks from the Northridge. Like they yeah. had some big ones in Valencia. Yeah. Uh, like a five point something one time or four point eight or something. It felt like someone lifted up the bed without waking us and just went like that and dropped it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those but are I, bad. those are bad. Yeah. The ones where they go up and down. Yeah. 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 So there was a seismologist on the train uh, one day, and we were talking about earthquakes here in japan and he said well i'm here studying the effects of of specific types of earthquakes because when you get them side to side the plates are just kind of shifting but when it goes yeah. up and down that means one of the plates has got built up enough pressure that it's pushed and popped yeah. and that's the kind that builds mount that makes mountains you know he says those are the scary ones he says so you know yeah. if you if you do this you're like just kind of oh well that's there we go again you know shake my coffee or something yeah. whatever but this one, yeah. I remember talking to him before the big earthquake here a couple of years ago, and I was sitting in my office, and my coffee cup just went <laughs> and jumped, and everybody was like, what was that? And I said, that was bad. Wherever it was, that was bad. And the girl next to me, I'd already been there like 10 years, and she was like, no, we get these all the time. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. <laughs> that wasn't a shifty shifty. Something. And Every, all the alarms went off. I had to walk back to my house, which was almost 30 miles. And oh my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the trains were stopped. Everything. I mean, my feet, I was laid up in bed for a day after that. My feet hurt. So because it was in business shoes, you know? Oh. My wife was like at the at the Home Depot or the, the Japanese version of it. And she had our, our then three year old. And 
there's liquefaction here and the bricks separated apart and the dirt had turned to liquid and just yeah. started bubbling up and it was like up around her ankles or somewhere around her shins. The water maze floated to the top of the ground. Oh, it's nuts. I think I've talked about that in another podcast someplace, but yeah, yeah. earthquakes, not good guys. We're all nope. moving out to North Carolina. <laughs> my, my, my family was so worried because it was that year that I was moving out here and, oh. you know, on a map, Northridge and, and, and Santa Clarita look like they're right next to each other. I mean, they are. Yeah, well, I mean, on a big map. Yeah. Yeah. I, and there was a lot of damage. I didn't find out I was accepted to CalArts until July, I think. You Your know. mom's like, move back right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, hey, you know, knock on wood, we've we've only had lots of little ones. So, yeah. well, I think that's supposed to release the stress of the big ones. The little ones supposed to release that San Andreas, but they say that we we owe twenty six feet. Yeah, like those small shifts that are meant to happen. We're we're in debt twenty six feet. So I hope it doesn't cash in twenty six feet in one go. Yeah, Tokyo's uh, <laughs> haven't had a big one in 80 years, and we're due for an 80-year buildup. Mm. And I'm like, that's going to set off, you know, Fuji. We're just, oh, yeah. We're just waiting. 2020 is a great year for it. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I was getting ready to say, if it's not a plague of locusts, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, a friend of mine called me yesterday, and he said, yeah, it was hailing here yesterday. And I said, were they flaming hail balls? Because... Yeah. Darkness covered the land in the firstborn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I fully expect Moses to come up here and start. It's time for us to leave. We let your people go. <laughs> Didn't you work on Prince of Egypt? Yeah, I did. Yeah. 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 I, funny enough, Mark, I worked on Prince of Egypt uh, with James. Yeah. Uh, James Baxter. Yeah. And uh, it was, I, I, I've told this story on the podcast before, but it was like a rite of passage where he said, I said, hey, James, you know, I really like how solid your work is. And, you know, I'd, I'd really like to get more of that in my artwork. And he says, thank you, and walks away. And, you know, two or three more times, and he finally gets me in his office. And I said, okay, you're not going to snuff me, are you? And uh, he showed me how he did his thing, you know. Introduced you to the copy machine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He took me to the copy machine and left me there one time. And I thought, okay. <laughs> Jedi Master, I don't know what the hell you're trying to get me to do. But then he showed me how to use the model sheet and put it behind the drawings and use it as a key as you're I rolled my drawing. Away secrets, man. I gotta, uh, I gotta edit that out of the after show again. He's gonna, he's gonna get mad at us. James was a really big influence on my early animation career. Glenn, who was one of my idols, he infuriated me. Because, you know, he was all about the feel and, you know, just let it happen and the flow and, you know, and he was so artistic in the way he animated. And I was like, I don't know. It looks like magic when you do it, man. His, his daughter's it got it. Magic. So I don't know. Oh, Claire? Claire's yeah. amazing. Huh? I don't know. It's like, maybe it's genetic. <laughs> I don't get it. It is like Claire King. Yeah. Glenn's daughter. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, that's Claire. If you name the daughter Claire, you're going to have a prodigy. Yeah. Right? Hey, my daughter's Claire. There you are. Watch, watch, watch. I, yeah, she's the one who actually knows that she's smart enough to get away with stuff. <laughs> come here. Come here. All right. All right. We'll let you go. We'll let you go. It's been good. Oh, there he is. Ooh. Oh, he is big. Goodness gracious. You know, buddy. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Mark. Okay. I'll see you guys. It's been a pleasure. Right. Have a good one. Thank you, sir. Okay. All right. Okay.